0: Thank you so much, Franz and Alice. It was really amazing. Um, The most glorious thing we can do with our free will that God lovingly gave us is to surrender it to His will. It's the most beautiful thing we could ever do. We do have a free will, and it is God's will that we have free will. And that is the most glorious thing one can ever do with the free will, is to surrender it to the will of God. I also felt to say that in Christ, the things that happen to us in this world, things specifically like confusion and sin, um, and what was the other one? Hard times. In Christ they are designed to draw us closer to Him. The enemy uses the very same things to pull us further away from Him. The cross is there so that we run to it with our sin, like the like the like the prodigal son and find acceptance and favor. Confusion it's not from Him, but it's so amazing if we start wrestling finding truth through that and in hard times if we can see his perspective and his love for us it transforms it and the enemy is left without tools to get us down amen we're busy with a series the church at work um, to align our right to fives with jesus and his kingdom Something the church has struggled with over the years so much. Um, to make sense of this. To not have work feel less important, less aligned. And, and it's created a confusing, confusing space for many believers. Many have found a in it. Many haven't. And we've explored, last week we explored a little a bit of a theology about work. And I'll recap that in 30 seconds. Uh, but I can't spend too long on it because otherwise we'd uh, not have enough, enough time for what we want going to say today. But to have an adequate theology for the thing that you spend most of your time mean is very important. It doesn't help you have a great theology about praying in uh, tongues, but you don't have one for the thing you do most, which is work. What is your theology about work? I listened to that sermon last week. Wrestle with the Word, wrestle with the Spirit of God, and establish the theology of work in your heart so that you can have something um, to work from um, I used to work as an industrial psychologist I still do a lot of work in that in that space and one of the things that we do is career counseling um, we're trying to do that and I love to do that um, and it's, it's because of that passion that the Lord has, 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 has put inside me and that he has developed in me um, that I'm able to share with you what I'm, what I'm going to share with you and that I'm very excited for because there's a way that we make sense of work secularly that's so attractive. And like Scripture says, the world uses plausible arguments that even leads us astray. And I'll show you things that will look so good that most of us have been following that's just not Jesus. And, that, and, and I believe God wants to give us a model that helps us to make sense of not only our 825s, but our 825s as well. A very practical one. So a 30-second recap on uh, the basics of uh, theology of work is that God works. Jesus says, my father's always been working, even I'm working. God is a working God. The first thing we read about God is that he works in Genesis 1. And the first thing we read that he does to us is he gives the man work to do. He says, I'm going to bless you. And he blesses him by giving him work. Does that sound great? If you're living under the curse where work has become hard, then you don't understand that work is supposed to be a blessing. You think work is for money, but working for money came after the curse. Before the curse, they didn't work for money. They worked because it was a blessing. And we have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb are called to redeem work to the place where it is a blessing. And the blessing isn't even in what we are being paid for it. It's amazing. You're a secret agent at work to pursue that. It's a blessing. Let it be. Don't accept the curse. Embrace the blessing. Wrestle with God with it. Make it true at work. And then there's a variety of works, great variety of works that we explored that God has been doing throughout the ages that has been the work of God that it definitely not only include ministry and missionary work, but engineering and design work and a lot of other stuff. It's been the work of God. What is the work of God that you should do? So, maybe that was 45 seconds, but um, you can listen to it in more detail um, if you go to last week's message. But there's ministry to be done, I felt this morning, and maybe we'll do that next week, just about the fact that so many of us st- struggle with the concept of work as a blessing. It's, it just really feels like a curse a lot. And I feel the Holy Spirit wants to minister into that. Because it's easy to hear it and to say, wow, but then it's just not feeling it. Okay? So I believe God wants to work on that. So please engage Him in it, and maybe next week we could do some ministry into that as well. So, <clears throat> um, when we do career counseling, or maybe I should say, the focus of this sermon is: How do I decide what I do? How do I arrive at that place where I decide what I do and why I do what I do? Um, now, this model, like the worldly equivalent, that we'll look, we we'll look at both the worldly equivalent and another one. Both of them doesn't only guide your work but much more than that can be guided by this so you can use it for many different things but there has been a model that, that, that the world has used and that I have even used in my consulting days that says that when, when you want to find out what you should be doing with your life, your 8 to 5, you try to, you try to, you try to find what, I'm, what do I like a lot Okay? What am I really passionate about? Now, most people just mean when they say passionate, they just mean I really like it a lot. But now it becomes a little bit more spiritual when you call it um, passion. And a lot of people then make a direct link from that to the call of God on their lives. Because I really like it. Okay? But we'll look into that just now. But the world says, um, it says find everything that you're passionate about. Find everything that you're really good at, that you've got skill in, and find something that's going to make money. Explore those three circles, and where those three intersect, that's what you do with the rest of your life. Because then you would love what you do, you'd be really good at it, and you'd make a lot of money. Bingo. Jackpot. Sweet spot. Sounds great. Most Christians I know, have done exactly the same. Not all, a lot. They would say, you know, there they would be intersections, they would say, well, the things that you're very passionate about and you're, and you're, and you're skillful in but it can't make money would be your hobby. Um, and if you were to do it full time, it would probably start starting an NGO. Um, I'd say, well, if, you've, if you're doing something that you're very good at and it makes money, but you're not very passionate about it, that's called the job. I, I don't like it, but I have to do it because I have to make money and I can make money in this way. And then if you find something that you're passionate about that it makes a lot of money, I disagree with what they say there. I think dream jobs should be in the middle. But if you're very passionate about something that makes a lot of money, you might find that you can't do it that well and then... It might look like a dream job, but it really isn't. Um, the light is still green, so maybe I switch it off in my passion. Hello. Right Now, this is a great model if you want to be superficially happy, wealthy, and well-known. Um, if we read Scripture, just to kind of burst each one of these bubbles in a polite way, um, Galatians 5.24 says, Those who have come to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So, God is the one that births his passion into our hearts that becomes our ultimate passion. There will be passion following God. But you don't look at your own heart, which is deceitful above all things, and see what's in it and follow that. And say, that must be God. Are you with me? You don't do that. Um, You evaluate it. You crucify it first. Even when God gives you something. You know, when, when God has confirmed and He's given you something beautiful and it's a great passion in your heart, one of the things He will do to you very soon is make you crucify that thing. Like Isaac. Because only when you are fully surrendered even to that, He can start to use you in that. Okay? How much more the things that we think we are passionate about than that might be from God to have them surrendered. Galatians 5, 24, Matthew 16, 24, uh, whoever comes to me must deny himself. So we cannot just work in whatever we are passionate about. I am very passionate about what I do. There's a different way that you arrive there with me. You follow Jesus, they not passion. He leads you to the real, to the real passion. Then if you look at skill, yes, we must be we must work on our skill. We must improve our skill. We must be excellent in what we do. But we cannot be guided by that alone because we clearly see in Scripture that he says, I use the foolish things of this world to put a shame the wise and the weak things of this world. Are you, are, are you hearing that? So we can't use a model where we say, I have to work within my skill set. Because Jesus says, I can sometimes use you way out of it. Okay? And Paul himself heard Jesus. Jesus speak to him, and one of the only places after Jesus' life and before the Book of Revelation where there's words of Jesus that directly spoke. He told, he told, he told Paul, "My strength is made perfect in weakness. I will not deliver you from that thing, Paul. My strength is made perfect in weakness. My glory will be seen even in that." Okay. Must upskill cannot use it as a exclusive framework for what we will do Um, market what makes money now this comes from the curse again that we think we work to get money we don't that's the curse yes you must work and if you don't work you shall not eat absolutely that's the word of God but we work to him we don't work for money because who's our master who do you work for For God or for money all right? So, primarily, we do not work to earn a living. But those who are in Christ will understand that God is a God who works. And if they work, then they will eat of that. Okay? We work for God. Because of God. Because we're going to be like Him. Not because we need money. Because He's our Father in Heaven that provides for us. He says in Matthew 6, He said, Don't worry about those things. Seek the kingdom of God and I'll give you what you need. Can you just embrace that? We've heard that scripture since we were little, but yet we say, "I work for money." You don't. Yet I say, "No, I need to find a better job because thirty-five a month is just not making it. You know, it's just it's just not enough. I need to find something that can earn that can give you more money. How about following Jesus, and He'll make sure you have exactly what you need. Maybe it's uh, it's the budget that must be aligned to him because there are things in there that you think you need that you don't need that means you actually have enough. Proverbs 23 verse 4 um, kind of summarizes this rather well. It says, do not toil to acquire wealth. Okay, I just explained I' just expanded on that long, but that's basically what it comes down to. Working for money is actually submitting to that curse. Now on the next slide, we've, we've Christianified a lot of these things, as I've said. All right, I'm so passionate about yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so passionate about early childhood development. It must be from God. It sounds amazing. I'm so passionate to see uh, everyone have a job sounds amazing that could or could not be God I'm so passionate about numbers must be well if it really is then you should really crucify it because it's become become a dangerous thing if it really is God and you haven't crucified it and if you don't know if it is God and you haven't crucified it even more so don't call passion your calling and don't call skill your your Gifts. you know that that parable about talents <laughs> from small we've heard that you in afrikaans you've said <laughs> you must multiply your, your talents as if we're speaking about her talents like in like in gifts but but her talents is is it's money it's not a, it's not it's not a gift Number one, so, so a lot of people say, well, I'm so good at this. I must do it. I must do it. I'm so good at this. I found I'm so good at at at, at doing athletics. I mustn't have this gift not come to fruition in me. Don't do that. Let God decide. Because I can be good at many things that I'm not currently doing because I follow Jesus to where I am. I cannot only look at my perception of the things I might be good at and then make my decision of what I will. Okay? So don't call, uh, don't Christianify it like that. And then the market thing, then we say, oh, but, you know, I must um, I must provide. That's how we c- Christianify that one. I must provide, especially when you have a family. Oh, no, I'm, I must provide for my family. And like I said last week, then we, at this weird place where we say we think in our hearts oh I can't follow Jesus that radically and just be so you know generous and just work for no money and just do whatever Jesus would lead me because Jesus wants me to look after my family so Jesus wants me to do something that earns a lot of money so I can look after my family so because and then I'm like do you serve two Jesuses the one that wants you to follow him and the other one that wants you to provide for your family And now you're rather going to follow that Jesus than the one that said, follow me and I will look after you. Okay? Husbands, I said last week, don't do that. You follow, you provide for your family by following Jesus well because he can provide for your family really well. In this last couple of years, um, since we've left, since I've left my corporate job, the Lord has blessed us Someone gave us a house as a, as 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 a gift. Someone gave us a, um, a, the beach house that we can use exclusively for whenever we want. They even built it bigger, so we can use it. Things we would never be able to afford now, but then God just gave it. He's always been like that. He sent us away on missions and holidays, and he's always been always paid. For it. I provide well for my family by fixing my eyes on Jesus, the one who provides for me. Okay, so that's the model that many of us should go like, oh, yes, I didn't realize, but I've been doing that. Um, Now, this model is well known, and Jim. Collins speaks about the hedgehog, hedgehog concept in his book Good to Great and he says great great businesses that have stood the test of the time has been the ones that has been clear about these three things and have as a business made sure that they stay there and they do nothing else apart from, though, apart from staying within what they're really good at and what they're passionate about and what, so it, it, it works in a worldly sense it works super well but as Christians, we can't use stale models that excludes direct relationship with God and just follow it. Even even more advanced versions of this. Now, some of you would know this, and this one sounds sounds rather more um, more spiritual. It's a Japanese concept. Concept. They just add one more circle, really. Ikikai. It's a wonderful concept. They just say what you love, what you're good at, what can be paid for, and then it adds what the world needs. And we think, God, oh, that's a better model. What's better about that model? Because that's got that whole thing in there, you know. And then there are more little circles that we intersect, and in then one can identify what, what, what. Um, but and it seems legit, and it's beautiful. I don't disagree with the fact that it is beautiful, but it can be a dead st- uh, a dead style and religious model to follow if you don't hear the voice of God that speaks you, that speaks to you. Models, and this one that I will share with you that is very simple, isn't something that you design and then follow. A, a, a good model, I believe, is when you investigate what God has done through the years and you see what He has done and that it's a very beautiful orderly model and then you can present that to help the journeys of others within that but it can never become a stale religious thing and that's what what I like about what the Lord has given me because it it necessitates you hearing from him okay so let's let's dig into this one And I am thankful, so thankful for the words that has come about identity. I'm thankful for the song. Me and Franz didn't decide to, that that song would be would it be sung. Um, but in a world where who you are is such a fluffy concept, we like to know what to do and what we must do. But if I say, th- you know, just praise God for who he is, then others are like, What does that mean? Thank you for who you are. What does that even mean? Rather tell me, rather say thank you for what I've done, and I get you. So in a world, in a Western world where concepts like that has become more and more fluffy, yet because of our human nature, that's what guides us, even though we don't know it. And then the secular agenda comes and says things like sexuality determines identity. And then people pick that up and say it's my identity. And it isn't your identity. It's outside of your identity. But because we haven't made much of identity and we do much about what we do, 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 we become fluffy on identity and the enemy's on that. So we should understand that first of all, We need to have a clear answer on who he says we are. Who does he say you are? That's the first question you need an answer on. Not what he called you for first. You must ask that too. Not what he called you for first. Who does he say you are? I'll show you. I'm going to show you this from Scripture. Let me just work through this. then we ask him what have you called me for and then we ask him more fluidly where am i called to be right now because if we would if we are looking for what we should do with our lives and let's say we do understand who we are i can write the list down of the beautiful things that god has shown me and that rings in my heart from scripture and his voice that he's told me who i am love it when i think about it if you know that but you don't know what you called for and you don't know where you should be right now then that's a beautiful place for you to be but you still need your mission and you still need to know what season you're in are you with me if you know what he has called you for and a lot of us don't know what we are called for because god doesn't answer that question as easily And for me, it's been that wrestle of, God, what are you calling me for? And then he says, I love you. And then I don't understand. And then I understood, oh, he first wants to tell me who I am. It's too dangerous to start speaking about these things. It's going to make me amazing and famous before I know who I am. So he doesn't like to answer that question so much. I'll show you that from scratch scripture as well before the other one is settled and then if you but if you would only know that you would be running around without identity as the son or daughter of him and without knowing where you should be right now you'd know that well i am called for these and these and these things but i don't know how that plays out in my life right now and i feel very insecure about who i am so i'll go into work mode to just try to do the things he's told me to do if you know where you should be right now there's a lot of a lot of us find a justification in the fact that we've got some word that confirms that I should be in this job at this place in Cape Town for the season. And we think, I know what the will of God for my life is. It is to be here now. But if you only know that and you stop the conversation like, oh, awesome. I've got, I know that the Lord said this job. Then a lot of us step back and say, what will be will be. I don't know. Then you don't know what your mission is, and you also don't know who you are. So then you're at work, at the place where He called you to, but you're not not being who you should be there, and you don't know what to do there. You just are there. So a hyper-Calvinistic way of looking at things can say, oh, just float around, and and, then stuff will happen. But Jesus calls us to follow Him actively daily. So it's more than that. So... Let's look at the little intersections that we have there. Um, even if we have amazing answers on our identity, who He says we are, and what we are called to do, we might still not be in tune with the season we're in. Now, now, it would be amazing if you could say who you are and know a lot of it. Now, you won't know all of it right now, but you, you can know a lot of it from Scripture and spending time with them. And you want to know all that you called for, but you can know a lot of it. But I'm just urging and advising that, that the, the, the wrestle is not completed unless there's a season to that. Also, I know what it's for now, and I'll show you that from Scripture as well. If you know what you are called for and where you should be, and a lot of us in the, are in that place because of our way of living, our very works-driven way of living, we know where i should be i know what i should do but i feel inadequate before god so often i don't feel accepted by him and i and i work for him and just hope that one day i will make it and be good enough and where people will accept me and that god will accept me and that i will accept myself but i know where i am and i know what i should do but my identity is not and then we go into works mode Ah, i says that that's so tiring and that takes the joy out of the whole thing um, because then if you don't hear what he says over you while you are doing what you're supposed to do then um a lot of it is just laboring without seeing the fruits of joy from him and you're going to work supermodel. so what we're looking for is a continual wrestle in our lives that we find and find and explore and continue to explore this is not a workshop you'll do once often and it's um, done and then you have your life life vision and your four values and you execute it for the rest of your life you would you would you would wrestle with him on this but at least right now trust god that he would start to guide you to have answers Trust, trust god that he would show you these things so that you would find sweet spots okay and we're going to look at some scriptures because some of you also this is an airy-fairy model that seems nice. And we'll get back to it. Identity, let's just look at that slide quickly. Identity remains for eternity and gets added added to. Okay? So it's things God will say will never change. Um, it will always be built on. That's amazing. And... It will ensure that you're anchored in love and grace. While I had to believe that sentence, but I didn't. But while choose your own adventure. Mission is rather stable. Your mission is rather stable, but some things might 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 get done. And God might say, That was the season. It is done. That thing that you had to do, it's done. Hallelujah so much of what I'm doing right now with Him, for a long time I felt, oh, I'm just preparing, I'm just trying to do something, maybe one day it would be something, and right now God is starting to speak to me, when I look at my little girl and I smile at her, then I experience the Holy Spirit telling me, you just accomplished a little bit of, 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 of your calling by loving her right now. That part of your calling is not done. You just preached that sermon that I gave you. You've just completed a part of, of, of your calling. You know how, sa- how satisfying that is. To not only always feel that one day maybe to work walk with him in that and it's smaller things sometimes than what we think because we want to be so amazing and do big things only. But anyway, our mission is stable. Some things things will get added on and this gives us the action framework within our identity um, the action framework to our identity and confirmation to our season. So if we feel the season is in the Netherlands to make a lot of money, um, then what we're called to do might just add to whether that might be or might not be season. If We know what we're called to do. And then the season obviously is fluid and changing. Um, yeah, it makes the other two very practical. Why don't you say that? let's let's look at a couple of examples from the life of Jesus before Jesus did any miracles any of his ministry the first thing that happened is he got baptized and the father spoke words over him this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased he hasn't Executed on, his calling it. I love him, and I'm so pleased. I re- I love him, and I rejoice in him. You need to hear that before you start. You need to hear that again in Mark 17 verse 5 before he went to the cross. There was that moment with the Elijah and Moses and the guys, and a voice came again. He said, "This is my beloved son." was often reminded of who he was he came before he did anything and when it was really hard there was also that that time where they almost threw him off the cliff you remember jesus was almost thrown off the cliff and then he escaped somehow we still want to see how he escaped but he escaped and then he went to the place where he was baptized and spent time there. he went and reminded himself who he was that place where God first spoke the words over him. He was anchored in his identity before he did anything, and whenever it got hard, he would do that. He knew that him and the Father are one, and that guided everything he did. He said, "I cannot do anything on my own, but whenever I see the Father do that, I can do." Because he knew he had revelation for him, and the Father is one. He had revelation that he is. Um, Seated, he said, when, just before they crucified him, you would see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of the Holy One. And then they said, bless him, you will be crucified for this. You cannot say that you are equal to God. He knew who he was. And it, and and guided his life. you remember, oh, I skipped that one that actually anchors this whole thing. But do you remember that he asked his disciples, who do you say I am? And they answered. And he confirmed what they've heard. And I'm going to show you in that little portion of scripture how he, how he does this. Then he does the same thing to Peter. I'll show you just now how he starts with identity. I've decided to focus on jesus here but he he let's quickly divert because we've spoken about this. he says in the sermon on the mount to his very new disciples and a crowd of people that wants to be taught by him he tells them you are the light of the world they haven't done anything that's worthy of being called the light of, of the world why would he do that because that's the way he works. He speaks identity over you before he calls you to two stuff. He doesn't say you should be a light of the world so then one day you'll be a light to the world. He says you are a light of the world, worthless disciples. But they were. But in him they had identity and he spoke it over them from the beginning. They must. <laughs> they surely didn't understand. He d- does that to Peter also. I was sure, oh. Amazing, all right. Jesus' mission. Jesus knew that he was sent only to the lost people of Israel. That was clear in his mind. His mission was to the lost sheep of Israel. He told the lady that came to him and said, Help me, help me. And he said, I, I, I cannot be distracted from my mission because it's only to the lost sheep of Israel. He knew exactly what his mission was. He was always moved with compassion, and he was moved by faith. To that, it sometimes seems that he's distracted from his mission. It's kind of like he would touch outside and touch outside to the Roman centurion and this lady from Samaria. He would he, he would touch outside because he see he sees com, compassion and he has compassion and sees faith, but he knew this and declared it he knew who he was when he spoke up and preached for the first time he said this is what i am supposed to do Isaiah 61 i i've been anointed to preach good news to the poor he knew exactly what his mission was He he knew in john 7 verse 12 his mission was to make disciples he said lord the he said father the ones that you have given me i've kept them I've, in essence saying, I fulfilled my duty with these that you have given me now, which you make them one and multiply them all over the world. He knew that was his mission, and he knew and explained to the disciples, and they were confused about this. He said, I must be and will be rejected and killed, and I'll rise again. Luke 9, 22 told them that. He knew what his mission was, and he was set on it. He wasn't set on world domination. He wasn't set on making up the on on finding the greatest plan to solve poverty in the world now it wasn't his mission his mission was to walk around a little ache in a very desolate area in the world and do miracles and proclaim the kingdom of god and then be killed for that and rise again and make disciples in the process that was his mission it was very small and insignificant There could be a lot of people right now who do exactly that that you'd never know of. Because that's a very small thing to do with your life. To make disciples around a specific lake in the world. And to do some miracles, preach the gospel. There's a lot of people out there. A lot of missionaries and people who do that. Uh, That was his mission for there. He had others before we had to create the world. And he'll have others later when he has to... Judge the world but he knew what he had to do on earth do we know apart from what we from who we are although the two definitely informs each other then there was seasons in his life he was very clear on the fact that he knew the seasons in his life it says while he was a child he grew what he was doing in those years before the years we don't know a, a lot obviously he grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and men That was the season for then. It wasn't the season for miracles. It wasn't the season for a lot of stuff. It was the season to grow in wisdom and stature and power of many. He didn't move outside of that. In John 2, when his mom says, make the water into wine, he knew. He said, my hour has not yet come. It's not not time yet for my ministry to become a public thing. He knew that. Maybe we can link it to the fourth one in John 12. um, He says, like during his ministry, while he was he was doing miracles, he said, "Now my hour has come, and before he went to the cross mark fourteen, he says, "My hour has come. they're on the way to arrest me now." He knew his hour um a little bit more detailed the story about Lazarus when he knew that he died, but he knew it wasn't time to go there. He knew he had to stay two more days and then he went he was he knew exactly who the father said he was he knew exactly what the big mission is that he was on and he followed god in the seasons and in the, the, the times that he was he was in does that make sense i hope so L- look at one specific example Before we, before, maybe, yeah, maybe I'll share something with you Um, that might be rather, um, might be personal, but I hope you can, yeah, I hope it helps. Matthew 16, listen to this, tells his disciples, who do you say I am? We need to know who he is, and we need to know who we are. Simon Peter answered, he said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. Who Jesus is, is very important to hear right now, because he's going to tell them something about his mission very soon. And about the season that he's going to go in very soon. But he first needs them to know who he is. And then he continues and he speaks to Simon. And he tells, and you are are Peter, which means rock. You are rock, (laughs) he tells him. And on this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He tells Peter his identity just before he was going to um, just before he forsook Jesus Jesus is not going to go to the cross soon and he knows what Peter is going to do he knows how he will feel when that rooster is going to grow and he knows that he needs to know he, he needs to know that Jesus said that I will build my church on this rock, you are the you are the rock, because you're gonna do something very bad. If you don't know who you are, then you might lose hope. He speaks identity to him, and then he says, "I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, which is also identity. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven." He goes into his mission. Identity mission he makes a quick break there he speaks about his identity you guys got that okay let me show you how this works I speak identity over you and I give you a mission now let me tell you about mine the next slide from that time on there was the right season from that time on Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders and chief priests and the teachers of the law and that he must be killed and on the third day raised to Can you see this is the way of God? Can you see he wants to anchor you in who he is, what his mission for you is, and what the season is that you should be in right now? I want to show you this. I want to show you how this is practical to me and how I make sense of this, that this isn't, like Jacques said, an intellectual thing. This is what guides my life and i didn't have this model when i started out and you don't need this model if you have a desperate need to wrestle with god and to follow nothing else then you don't have to use this but it might help you a lot and i believe god gave it to me so that it can help some of you a lot of stuff that he has spoken over me that will always be there and the, and and that guides me and makes me sure of who i am i know i'm i'm his i'm his battle axe and a weapon of war he confirmed that to me in malawi long ago i'm an encourager an exhorter um i'm a moses like leader i had a lot of words like that um you would know maybe that I also couldn't speak. I stuttered so badly at high school that I couldn't. I couldn't get one word out. And even in that time, God told me, "You will one day preach." I said, "God, you must be crazy. <laughs> maybe in tongues or I don't know. Maybe while I'm singing, because when you sing, you use different pathways in your brain. So then you don't stutter. So maybe I'd be the singing preacher." <coughs> i can teach you the word (laughs) anyway i know i'm called to be apostolic i know i'm a saint one that will start things and break things down and raise up leaders i know i'm a war horse you would see the horses are um, painted in our house to remind me that i'm a horse i'm a wild war horse and my wife is a butterfly that's tricky i've got a heart like david uh i'm a son that is free and i say these things because i know them not to be boastful about them but that you can see what wh- when when i start engaging these things it, it's what anchors my life there are many more then in terms of my mission you know, wrestling with him all the while, asking him, what should I do? Then he says, you're you're a battle axe and a weapon of war, and I love your heart. And I'm like, oh my goodness, it's not helping. But then eventually these things have been, I found these things also through a great wrestle. There was these, these five things that I would often be involved in, and then I would feel so overwhelmed by it that I knew this was it for the rest of my life. I would. I would pack my bags and just do that thing. But then I couldn't deny that there was other things, that the same experiences has happened to me, and the same things God has spoken. And then one beautiful day, he just told me, there are five pillars to what I've called you to do, and you're going to do all five of them. And in different seasons of your life, they're going to look different. And it changed my whole life. So I know that I'm called to minister at the local church. I know I'm called to create something in the spirit, I read prophetically about spiritual family that's why we're in that house i know that i'm called to the ends of the earth i know i'm called for that i know i'm called to orphaned and vulnerable children and i know i'm called to do kingdom business and that's what i do with my life and i don't do anything else with my life than that that's what i do with my life and i don't succeed always but it doesn't really matter because i know who i am I really love it. I love doing it. You would remember I was at a bad space a couple of months ago, from last year actually, into this year, and yeah, it wasn't well with my soul. But the Lord has really redeemed that, and um, yeah, nice to say that if anyone asks me right now, then I'm really thankful to say that it's going really well with me. Um, Just a little insert, but. And then I know there are different seasons. The previous se- season in my life was Durbanville. I stayed in a community house. I worked in Cape Town. I did a lot of ministry in the ch- church. And we we uh, pioneered a lot of missions into India and those areas. But most of my time was at work. And I knew I had to learn a lot of stuff there. We st- we helped to find king And work a lot with NGOs, and I had to have that business sense developed in me so I could understand what I need to do and how things work in that world. So that was then, now, and then he told me after six years I will move into a new area, and then after six years I moved in here. Now, that's not percentages I got from him, but I mean, most of my time is spent in ministry. I would say, let's say, 20% is spent on, you can call these my KPAs. APIs have been fulfilled by Jesus <laughs> 60% ministry spiritual families their business is in there right now uh, very excited about a lot of things I'm involved in uh, often vulnerable children and the end of the earth right now is less than what it has been but I check in with the Lord on that regularly just to see what, what the season is holding and that's my life that's how I do it that's the that's how I make sure I know who I am and I if you would ask me about anything there are some things you'd ask me about in my life that I haven't run through this while yet and I'm still kind of unsure about but whether it comes to work or anything else I want to I want to know that I can relate whatever I'm doing right now to who I am what I'm called to do and where I'm supposed to be right now and that's the model I use so back to the model on the next slide what informs this? We've worked on this um, through previous series. How do I get there? It's that beautiful um, interdependence we have on be- no between hearing His voice, His word that we read and understand through His Holy Spirit, and His body. He speaks to us through that. But of God says that uh, any with uh, with uh, witnesses confirmed by the evidence of truth, test me confirmed by the evidence of two or three witness witnesses. Now I I I want to know whenever I want to know something. I don't only want to think I heard something in my quiet time. I want to at least have it confirmed in the Word of God in some beautiful way. I don't I only want to read something in the Word of God and feel inspired. I want to someone must prophesy over that without them knowing about this thing that's happening in my heart or i need to hear the holy spirit speak about this i can tell you the story of how i came here and how the lord spoke to me over a couple of months and how that works but being serious about having confirmation between the ways that he speaks to us through his voice through his word and through his body his voice takes on many forms i understand that but we need to hear his voice know his word and be rooted inside of his body because that's, that's how he will speak to you and confirm these things to you. So those inform they are the things that inform this model. Not your own heart, but God who made your heart. I want France in the last eight minutes we've got left. France, you guys can minister a song. Um, and I want you guys, I almost see you, like making notes and writing stuff down and just thinking things through i wanted to use this time just to be on your own with him make notes whether it be on your phone or in your notebook or wherever and obviously you won't get answers on all of this and the session with pastor ross on wednesday will help greatly so looking forward to see you then invite your friends it's going to be really cool um as you do to church every sunday anyway i know but um who ask ask him? Ask him these questions. Who does he say you are? What are you called to do? What season are you in? Now a lot of you have got answers to a lot of these things, but you didn't write it down, so you know, you're still confused. And the Word of God is not a blank page; it's already written. There's a lot of stuff in there. I saw a uh, picture this morning of someone busy with something really busy and then asking God like, what do you want me to do? Um, what would you really want me to do? And then God doesn't speak and then I continue. God's not going to speak. He's already told you a lot of stuff. He wants to see you surrendered to His will. To be a sheep that follows. Because He's sheep. He has His voice. Surrender to His will. Before He needs to say what you need to do, and in that surrendering is that place where you ask Him and where you get clear, clarity on who you are, because of the cross, because of who He is, and whose image you are made. So spend some time with Him as we just minister each one just on his own towards the Lord and then I'll close for us in prayer and we'll make this more practical on Wednesday and next week mm mm-hmm.